education and higher learning are great things. But it's sad when the sentiment of the culture is that you have to have a degree on your wall in order to be considered capable. I'll never forget the time I informed my son's therapist that we intended to homeschool him instead of enrolling him in the developmental preschool or increasing his outpatient therapy hours like she wanted. The attitude conveyed in her tone of voice and body language was as if she was yelling, you aren't qualified smart enough to teach your child how to function, when she said that nothing can compare to the hours spent working with a professional. However, the next experience we had with a different therapist proved the power of working with the parents. We saw huge advancements in our son's abilities when the therapist would take the time to simply video his sessions and send them to me with the explanations of what she was doing so I could then duplicate her techniques at home every day. Her attitude was the opposite of our first experience. Her philosophy was she couldn't do her job as a professional to achieve maximum benefits to her patients without the help of the parents. More important than the three to six outpatient hours per week he gets with the therapist, there's a remaining 103 to 109 waking hours per week at home he gets with mom and dad. <laughs> I've often wondered if she had this philosophy because she was homeschooled herself, so she experienced firsthand the power of parental involvement. Professional therapists are important, but don't underestimate the power of involved parents. You guys, the same thing applies not only to therapists and teachers, but to electricians, plumbers, pastors, and even doctors. It's great to have advanced training in any of these areas, but if you think about it, it isn't the only way to being proficient at something. Now, let me plug in my disclaimer here. <laughs> when it comes to homeschooling your children, you know, as a parent, you've got to know your own limits. For me, when we get to calculus or geometry, oh, I am so going to be calling in some tutors, co-ops, or, or looking into online courses. Why? Because I love algebra, but have always hated geometry with a passion. I just, ugh, I can't even wrap my mind around it. It is just, yikes. Fingernails down a chalkboard for me. <laughs> so we don't know everything, and we have to admit to our weaknesses and find the alternative resources to over overcoming those areas. Same thing when it comes to healthcare. Now, I've never been a big fan of traditional medicine because of several bad experiences with doctors throughout my first 20 years of life, you know, the, the same doctors who would rather just write a refill for a prescription instead of taking the time to truly look at the cause for why the chronic infections and low immune system. All the different experiences pushed me toward non-traditional medicine. However, I have type 1 diabetes. Being an insulin-dependent diabetic means that I need an endocrinologist to help me keep tabs on my body's endocrine system and keep things balanced. Majority of the work is on my shoulders with the day-to-day -day management when it comes to counting carbohydrates, you know, programming my insulin pump dosages, you know, keeping things in line that way. What am I eating? How is that affecting my insulin? What's my exercise level? All of that. But that's, that's the day-to-day -day management. But having a specialist run blood tests to ensure my lab numbers are staying where they should and strategizing new ways of tweaking my daily routines to help with lows and highs are important to my overall health and therefore I still need that specialist to be there. So the point is sometimes professionals are necessary. We do see endocrinologists for myself and our son's thyroid issue associated with his Down syndrome as well as his speech, occupational and physical therapists and other doctors when the need arrives especially for emergency care such as broken bones etc. We are extremely thankful for the knowledge and help these professionals offer in meeting special needs.
or specific needs, I should say. But the doctors don't know everything. That's why it's called a medical practice. <laughs> no two human bodies are identical. Therefore, treatments aren't one size fits all. That's why it's often a good thing to get a second opinion. You know, and sometimes the second opinion can be just as wrong and you need a non-traditional third opinion or a fourth opinion. There's a story published in a book by Tim's great-grandfather about his great-great-grandfather who, when he was a little boy, gouged a deep hole in his thigh on a sharp peg while playing inside the barn one Saturday. The wound became severely infected in just a few days. So while a high fever was raging in little Ling's body, his grandfather rode as quickly as possible to the closest town to collect the doctor on Monday morning. The doctor examined the wound that evening and came back again the following morning along with another doctor for a second opinion. It was exclaimed that the infection was worse and they believed it was blood poisoning. As such, the leg would need to be amputated in order to save little Ling's life. Lingy's grandmother pleaded with the doctors to give them more time before removing the leg, so the doctors agreed to wait until the following morning, which would be Wednesday, before performing surgery. All that night, grandmother, along with Mrs. Proctor, a close neighbor friend, alternated applying homemade hot smartweed and cornmeal poultices to the wound, switching out a new one every time it would cool. When the doctors arrived Wednesday morning, they were astonished. Little Ling was fever-free, and while they were examining his leg, he woke up saying to them, Well, good morning. The doctors exclaimed that it was a miracle and asked Grandmother to tell them how she had done it. <laughs> I love this part. Her response was, With prayer, Mrs. Proctor, and poultices. <laughs> so the point is, you don't need an expert for everything. Sometimes life experience is more effective than the professional's. When it comes to your health care, what can you learn to do yourself? You don't need a specialist for a runny nose, a fever, toothache, hangnails, you know, or even in this case, a severely infected leg that the doctors want to amputate. But like my mom always used to tell us, if in doubt, throw it out. If you aren't comfortable trusting in your own knowledge and common sense to treat you or a member of your family's ailments, then seek out the professionals. In my opinion, the biggest thing to do when it comes to helping with your family's health is being able to accurately identify when there is a problem and when it is something you can manage yourself or if it's something better left to the professionals. You know how in the hospitals or doctor's offices they have that pain chart? You know, list your level of pain 0 to 10 with the big frowny face all the way up to a smiling face. <laughs> In your home, you need to be able to identify the severity of a situation just like that pain chart. You know, in our family, almost all of the kids are very non-symptomatic when we, um, because we tried to teach them from the very beginning to not over-exaggerate. Meaning when they fell down as toddlers, we wouldn't make a big fuss about it, you know, show the big frowny faces and oh, boo-hoo with them. Instead, it was, stand up, you're okay. Now, can you show me where it hurts? all done in a calm voice with a gentle smile. This was not being insensitive. It was teaching them how to remain calm and not to overreact. As they've all gotten bigger and more articulate, the first thing is always, are you bleeding? <laughs> if the child is very upset, I then ask if he, she can take a deep breath for me and explain where it hurts. This also helps me to ascertain how much pain they are in because if they can calm themselves quickly, Usually the believed pain fades as well. It truly is amazing how sensitive our children are to our moods and emotions and how they will mimic what they see us do. 
just something to keep in mind when treating children. Now, for my child who is shown to be a bit on the drama queen end of the scale when it comes to dealing with pain, I've caught myself erring on the side of caution more just because I wasn't confident in my ability to ascertain the true severity of the injury. For instance, he fell one day while getting dressed inside the bathroom. Oh my goodness, the screams that came from inside the room had my heart in my throat and adrenaline flooding my system. It was horrible. It took several minutes to get him calmed enough to where he could even tell me where the worst of the pain was located and what exactly happened. When he told me he had slipped and fallen on his wrist and then showed me his red, swollen hand he was cradling close to his body, which he was cringing any time I asked him if he could move, I went ahead and made the decision to take him to urgent care to ensure it wasn't fractured. Turns out, waiting a few hours with an ice pack at home would have saved the trip and finances. The x-ray confirmed, of course days later, that there indeed was no fracture or break. A few hours of time revealed that the base of his hand and a few finger pads had massive blisters on them from the friction, hey, get this, friction, when his hand made contact with the floor tile. When he hit, he hit hard, but he slid on the tile and it burned. In this case, we simply treated the blisters burns with some all-natural healing salve and wrapped with gauze until the old skin had sloughed off and the new pink skin wasn't as delicate or tender. I guess you could say that the second key to being your own doctor is remembering to remain calm and have patience when a medical issue arises. Many, many times sitting down for a quick moment to think about what you have inside the house to treat an injury or ailment results in a clear plan of action. You know, parents hate to see their children suffer. It's so understandable why we have the tendency of rushing off to the doctor's office, you know, when our children show signs of illness or injury. However, I think it's safe to say that with research, knowledge, and a bit of experience, we can help our families with some very simple techniques. So the next time a child takes a tumble and, you know, comes to you crying or begins to act lethargic and sickly, ascertain the level of severity then take the moment to think before jumping into your car to rush to the nearest doctor's office. Just like being able to ascertain severity of an injury is a key point, another vital point is to start treating ailments as soon as you see symptoms and then stay on top of it. For instance, don't wait until the runny nose has turned into a thick chest congestion and severe nasal congestion before pulling out the herbal tinctures and other natural herbal remedies. By this time, you basically passed up the window of effectiveness of natural remedies and will most likely have to rely on the stronger chemical medications. The fact of the matter is that herbal remedies are effective, but just not as potent as modern medicine. This means you have to start treating an ailment immediately in order to stay ahead of the sickness, which will in turn shorten the duration of the illness and lessen its severity. Of course, the best medicine is preventative medicine. Make healthcare a part of your normal routine with adding things to help boost everyone's natural immune system along with regular personal hygiene routines. One final key point to being your own doctor is to research good sources. Now, I want to emphasize the good sources here. <laughs> Heaven knows there are a million blog posts and YouTube videos out there claiming how to cure everything and anything under the sun. So you want to avoid the wackos? <laughs> But if you're willing to look up a Bob Villa video on how to build and install custom wall cabinetry, you can research how to clean and dress a wound. Read, read, 
read. Here's an example of how knowledge can change our actions. How many parents out there have immediately rushed to the pediatrician's office when their children began running fevers? You know, as if the fever itself was reason to rush for help. After researching, you'll discover that fevers are not the enemy. In fact, fevers are part of the body's natural defensive response to an illness. Yes, they make you feel pretty cruddy, but typically they are a necessary evil as long as they do not become uncontrolled. You know, going higher than 103 degrees for more than 48 hours without break and are accompanied with other symptoms such as stiff neck, rash, bruising, or difficulty breathing. You see, fevers help shorten the duration of an illness by kicking your white blood cell production into high gear. There are ways to make to help make the body more comfortable while feverish instead of resorting to taking the over-the-counter meds like Tylenol or children's Motrin, which control the comfort level but can do more harm than good. For example, you could soak washcloths in apple cider vinegar and place one on a forehead and on the stomach at the same time to help soothe the heat. Another natural way to make you more comfortable during a fever is to take a combo of elderflower, peppermint, and yarrow. So as well as reading reputable sources, ask questions. Why? Because there is a wealth of information to be gleaned from others who have life experience, such as the older generation of mothers and grandmothers, retired nurses and doctors, midwives, or in finding healthcare professionals that are not rigid in their thinking and willing to give advice as to what you can do at home. How do you find those kinds of professionals who are willing to work with you? Ask questions. Did you know you could actually set up appointments to interview potential pediatricians, family doctors, you know, any profession out there before you sign up to be their patient? The goal is to find individuals in whatever field you need who do not become defensive or offended if you ask questions or question their opinions. There's a fine line to be walked when trying to work with those with advanced knowledge on a subject. Yes, they definitely know more than you do on a specific topic because that's why you're asking them questions, <laughs> but they don't know everything. Humility and a willingness to learn and listen must be present in both parties. Find those around you who have children and who have knowledge of how to treat them with natural remedies. You know the ones who don't just talk about doing things all natural, but prove its effectiveness by how healthy their children are. For me, it's my older sister and her brood of eight children, who she has nursed through all kinds of childhood illnesses through the years, infant up to teen. I'm very fortunate to have her, and I'll admit I'm a bit lazy, <laughs> because she has a wealth of knowledge and books at her fingertips, and she's an avid researcher herself. <laughs> Whenever one of my kids becomes ill or has an injury that I need help with treating, I call her first before a doctor. This usually ends up with her sending me pictures of parts of her books that gives the recommended course of treatment along with recipes, as well as her input of how she used it with her own kids and um, how it was effective. And you know what? It's been years, I'm, I'm serious, years, since I've had to take any of my children to the doctor for an illness. Again, I admit how lazy and spoiled I am to have such an awesome resource. But find someone you trust and start asking questions. But, you know, as exciting and empowering as all this sounds, a word of caution to all the hypochondriacs out there. 
Please remember that self-diagnosis can be dangerous, especially if you are an alarmist. You know who you are, or at least I hope you know. If you are constantly sick, you're either a hypochondriac or have an ailment that should be seen by a professional. I would not recommend that you seek to treat your illnesses without the help of a doctor therapist, just to err on the side of caution. It reminds me of the joke. What the hypochondriac have written on his tombstone? See, I told you I was sick. <laughs> well, I hope this topic helped you remember not to underestimate your capabilities and to encourage you to find ways to be more self-sufficient in the area of healthcare. Stay tuned for future posts where I will share with you what's inside our medicine cabinet and how we use it, along with the question and answer time with my favorite trusted herbalist, expert, mother of eight, and my older sister, Joy Durand. It's going to be so informative and helpful. Until next time, like and subscribe to our channel so you can follow along in our journey.